Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. And he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. <clears throat> but when he was strong, he grew proud in his destruction, to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him, and eighty priests of the Lord, who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priest, as he held the censer up, God afflicted him with leprosy on his forehead. And to the day he died, he was a leper. <clears throat> Father, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to come before you and to read your word and to speak of your word. And Father, we ask that, um, that our hearts would be open to your voice, Lord, that your spirit would penetrate us, or that you would teach us uh, through your word. We love you and we praise you. <coughs> Excuse me. In Isaiah 6, we read that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim each has six wings with two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one called to another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke and i said woe is me for i'm lost for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from, with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. A person's concept of God determines more than anything else what kind of life that person will live. The very first and the very last song to be recorded in scripture exalts the holiness of God. The first in Exodus 15 celebrates the Lord's majestic power in saving Israel at the Red Sea, which is then echoed by the last song of the saints in Revelation 15.3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Holy is used more often as a prefix for God's name than any other attribute. Throughout scripture, the holiness of God is proclaimed. Isaiah uh, himself uh, 
alone refers to the attribute over 30 times. And, of course, we sing of it every Sunday. There are only two instances recorded in Scripture where men are permitted to see into the throne room of heaven and view God in the fullness of his glory. Here in Isaiah 6, as we just read, and in Revelation 4, which I'll read now. And behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second like an ox, the third with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. And both we see the holiness of God proclaimed continually. And we see Isaiah cry out. And the 24 elders fall before the overwhelming glory and holiness of God. So first we see that God alone is holy. Sitting on his throne, high and lifted up. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In your scripture, you will notice the word Lord in all caps. When you see that, uh, you're looking at the name for God, um, Y-H-W-H, those three letters, four letters. We add vowels. Mass a little weak this morning. I'm not a morning person. So we add vowels and we pronounce Yahweh. I am what I am or I will be what I will be. It's the name. It expresses the ultimate and absolute name of God. The name for God's true to be nature. Both sovereign and divine. This expresses God in his fullness. Lord and creator. It's the name God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, um, the name God gave Moses to, uh, as a proof to the Israelites that his word came from the one true God. The Bible uses repetition to emphasize. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. The only example of a triple repeti- repetition of an attribute is with reference to God's holiness. God alone is holy. So we see that God and God alone is holy, yet we've not defined the word holy or holiness. We tend to think of holiness as moral purity or righteousness. 
and that's in fact a secondary understanding of holy or holiness but it's not what we see when we glimpse into the throne room of heaven Sproul in the holiness of God defines holy as not moral purity or righteousness rather as separateness theological apartheid otherness different there is no one like God God who is the creator of all is like no other Sam Storm of a Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma he says this he says the holiness of God the holiness of God only secondarily refers to his moral purity his righteousness of character it primarily points to his infinite otherness to say that God is holy is to say that he is transcendently separate holiness is not one attribute among many it is not like grace or power or knowledge or wrath everything about God is holy each attribute partakes of divine holiness God alone is holy <clears throat> now I'm something of a motivational speaker now the fact that I've never been called on to give a motivational speech is a minor point but at this juncture in the message here between point one and the second point I would like to share with you a motivational story so I have chickens <clears throat> I have large chickens in fact they're some of the largest in the world <clears throat> no truly they, they are it's not a joke it's true look it up they're Brahmins they're big <clears throat> and they have big feet and uh, we live in Jones Creek and seeing is that uh, the state flower of Jones Creek is mud um, their feet get really muddy and they have all these feathers on their feet anyway so uh, in this story you know, this is a story that um, not necessarily true but could be true let's just leave it at that so a friend of mine comes over to help me this is a Friday afternoon <clears throat> and to help me clean my, the mud off my chicken's feet and uh, so this friend who is a lover of all creatures great and small does that and um, as we're wrapping this whole procedure up we noticed that um, our cat has gone missing now this particular cat is the meekest cat that God ever put on the planet and he's with his meekness he is also afflicted with a very unfortunate fungus that uh, removes periodically a certain percentage of his hair and it's quite unsightly <clears throat> so this cat is named El Gato Diablo now he needs that name he, he, it, it's, it's part of, of his existence if he didn't have such a great and fierce name he would just I don't know just melt into the ground <clears throat> so El Gato Diablo has a habit of wandering off and hiding especially in my cargo trailer so as we're wrapping it with chickens my friend goes by the cargo trailer and he sees the doors open and being a lover of all creatures great and small <clears throat> and thinking like a cat he imagines that this would be a great place for El Gato Diablo to hide out. So upon entering the cargo trailer, so excited is he to discover that El Gato Diablo is in fact hiding in the trailer that he doesn't notice my two youngest boys, Ace and Joe, <coughs> who are do very diligent in their duties at the end of the day, close the cargo trailer. And they secure it. It's a very secure cargo trailer from inside or out. You can't get in, you can't get out. 
So he doesn't notice this. And uh, for the sake of anonymity, did I tell you my friend's name? You might could guess by now. But for the sake of anonymity, my friend, we'll just call him Chad. So he is so excited to see Elgato Diablo uh, that he doesn't know he's been locked up in the trailer. And by the time he realizes, Joel and Asa, as is their custom, are already in the house beginning their 10 to 12 hour run on the Xbox. So he cries out and there is no one to hear him. He beats on the door to no avail. He struggles, he strains, he strives. Nothing works. It's not going to work. And after hours of crying out and struggling and straining, as the temperature drops as it does into freezing, (laughs) he realizes that he's got to rest. And so he collapses in exhaustion and he and Elgato Diablo curl up for the night to stay warm together. So as the morning sun rises, this is a Saturday morning if you've been keeping track of the story, and in my house no one stirs till afternoon, but he, he got an early start. The temperature is now rising up past 100, and again he begins to beat and pound on the door and to cry out and to call out and to sob uncontrollably at his condition as Elgato Diablo stares on impassively. Finally, the most of the day is gone. He collapses in anguish and pain and misery. And he realizes through hoarse sobs as Elgato Diablo licks the salt from his face, there is no help and he is powerless to escape. Secondly, we see that we are unholy, that we are lost and unclean, that we are helpless. Everyone still with me here? Okay. Everybody motivated properly? Okay, good. We are unholy, we are lost, we are unclean, we are helpless. This is the second point. I have a total of four. And Isaiah cries out, Woe is me, I am lost. Isaiah is overwhelmed by the holiness of God. When Isaiah comes face to face with the holiness of God, he is overcome by the otherness of God. And he is destroyed by the realization of his sameness to a debased and fallen world. Such that he pronounces a curse upon himself. That's what this is. Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. John writes, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And here Isaiah cries out, he knows that you cannot look upon the face of a holy God and live. In Exodus 34, in fact, when Moses spends time with God up on the mountain, up in the cloud, in the presence of God, not looking upon God's face, lest he die, but just in God's holy presence, the skin of Moses' face shone, and the people were afraid to come near him when he would come down from the mountain. And seeing God's glory reflected in his face, they were fearful. Moses, in fact, had to keep a veil over his face when he wasn't speaking with God or giving them direction. He covered his face. God is holy, and he requires holiness from his own. We are unholy, and so singular is the otherness of God that we cannot stand before it. 
Even a dim reflection drives us to our knees. In God's mercy and grace, the seraphim takes the coal from the altar and taking it in his hand, he touches it to Isaiah's lips and says, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Maybe I'm interposing my own emotion, but I see a tenderness in this act. Much like Jesus, when John, whom Jesus loved, a friend of Jesus, one of the inner circle, when he sees Jesus in heaven in Revelation 1, John falls at his feet as though dead. And Jesus, laying his right hand on John, says, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. When we glimpse the true glory of God, the resurrected Christ, we are undone. Third, we must be conquered by Christ. It is the only way to a holy God. Jesus says in a familiar passage, John 3:16 on for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God <clears throat> I'm, amu- I'm, I'm amused at people who think um, kneeling is a protest. H- history is quite clear on that point. You kneel when you've been conquered. You bow when you are conquered. You fall on your face as though dead when you are conquered. And we, my friends, are conquered. We like to proclaim that we are more than conquerors and through the shed blood of Jesus Christ we are indeed. And that because the conqueror, Jesus Christ, the holy God has adopted us and made us his own. But first, we are conquered by the holy love of God in Christ Jesus. In 1 Peter 1 we read, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. Conduct yourselves with fear, knowing that you were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, so that your faith and hope are in God. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Sproul says that Christ was chosen as redeemer of the elect in eternity past. In Romans we read, whom he foreknew, not what he foreknew, but whom he foreknew, Romans 8, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. That those he predestined, he also called, and those called justified, and those justified, glorified. 
Now we've previously, in previous month, we've spoken of foreknowledge. And I'm no Greek scholar. I barely know enough to get myself in trouble. But I do know that occasionally. And the word foreknew, the word prognosco, is not referring to God's use of some mystical cosmic crystal ball. The word, the word gnosko, Jesus uses in John 10 when he says, I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I gnosko my own, I gnosko the Father just as the Father loves me, Jesus, specifically and intimately with the will and purpose for me. I, Jesus, love the Father specifically and intimately with my will set on him. Just like that love between the Father and I, I, Jesus, love you specifically and intimately with a will and purpose for you. And because of this great love for you, you now love me specifically and intimately with your will set on me. For new, prognosco is not about knowledge, it's about love. Christ was loved by God from eternity past <clears throat> with distinguishing affection and delight and set as a ransom for God's own children. Whom he loved, love given to us by a perfect holy God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, love that through the free gift of faith we return to Christ and we share with others. Fourth, our holiness is found in Christ alone. In the end of Romans 8, we read, Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm overwhelmed by the grace of God. <clears throat> Daily, I am made into nothing. Everything in the human heart cries out, I am something, I am important, I am worthy, I am justified. God's holy grace is an infinite weight that crushes us to dust, to nothingness, that conquers us. When God imparts his specific and intentional love to you, to me, he does violence to you. He kills you, the you that is you. And each day, each moment, self is being destroyed by the grace of a holy God. People have no natural desire to be obliterated, to have our self expunged from the record. Humanity rails against God at his presumption to rule and reign over his creation at his audacity to make our will into his own. Or just to look around your own heart. There are two kinds of people. If Christ has made you his own, you were a hater of God. If Christ has not made you his own, you are a hater of God. A man or a woman of unclean lips living among a people of unclean lips. We need to pray for his mercy. Now would not be too soon. That poor sod locked in the trailer with El Gato Diablo? That's you. That's me. Without Christ in desperate need of a Savior. 
God in his infinite mercy reaches down to us, his creation, his holy and just God who demands justice and holiness reaches down through the shed blood of Jesus, his only begotten, reaches down through all-consuming grace and imparts to us all those things he requires. The just shall live by faith and that a gift from God. John Murray in his commentary on Romans says it like this. The love of God from which we cannot be separated is the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is only in Christ Jesus it exists and only in him has it been manifest and only in him is it operative and only in Christ Jesus as our Lord can we know the embrace and bond of this love of God. When God looks down upon his children and sees his son he proclaims to the universe. My child, my very own, you are something. Because I love you, you are important. Because I love you, you are worthy. Because I love you, you are justified. Because I love you. And most importantly, you are holy. Because I made you holy through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Let's bow together. In a moment, I'm going to pray. We the conquered... And whatever posture the Holy God has put you in today, let us pray that we will remember every moment of each day who we were without Christ. And that while we may boldly approach the throne of God, it is only because we are in Christ Jesus that we do so. Ask yourself daily, does Christ's love flow from you? Does it flow from me unrestrained as we live under the crushing weight of God's infinite grace? Those that are here and the Holy Spirit has been calling you to himself, calling you into love with the Holy God, cry out to Jesus, the first and the last, the living one, the one who died and is alive forevermore. He who holds power in death, he who holds power over death and hell, he is just and faithful and his salvation is sure. Cry out, cry out to Jesus. I'll be at the right as we close with song in a minute, uh, come talk to me, come pray with me. Father, we come before you, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is, is, is the power of creation. Father, we thank you that your word melts our hearts. Father, your word gives us comfort and pain. Lord, because you are holy, you are good. And Lord, because you are holy, you demand holiness. And because you are holy, you have made a way for us to be loved by you, a holy God. We praise you, Father, and we love you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.